Hello and welcome to the next chapter of Eldritch Girl, um, the next episode of Eldritch Girl. Um, the next chapter is chapter 12, Love in Banishment. And the full line of this is Embrace Each Other's Love in Banishment, uh, which is from Richard II by William Shakespeare, Act 1, Scene 3. Really glad that you're still here for the journey. <laughs> Um, it's a bit of a roller coaster, this one. Um, so <laughs> I just, I'm sorry about Wes. I um, I just apologise for him. Things are just going to get worse for him for a while. So we're going to enjoy, well, I'm going to enjoy that. Um, also feeling really bad for him right now. <laughs> um, but this is a Katie chapter. So a little bit of a break from the boys and their drama llama um, <laughs> existence. Um, so Katie's chapter, Love in Banishment, content warnings include um there are pets mentioned nothing bad happens to the pets the pets are fine Layla has pets and they are lovely um there's just a bit of violence and gore in this one actually and there's the usual dysfunctional family issues sort of in-depth discussion of uh favoritism neglect all of that kind of stuff um, around the family so chapter 12 Love in Banishment, 29th of April. Cousin Layla lived in a cul-de-sac in the nice bit of Basildon, and thanks to Ricky's accurate bone readings over the years, she had bought this new-build red-brick detached house with a front drive and back garden. Her personal training business was flourishing. She had a rescue greyhound called Harvey and a large ball of mindless white fluff and claws called Marshmallow. She didn't smell like someone Katie needed to devour for the greater good, but she also wasn't the kind of family member who could stand up for herself against some of the others. Katie grabbed her phone and checked her messages, but Wes hadn't sent her anything. She messaged Carrie instead to see how he was. Carrie sent her a photo of a man she'd never seen before in her life. He reminded her so strongly of their dad that he had to be her brother. He had the same sort of frame that Kieran had had, the same slicked back hair that Liam experimented with before he went with a mullet for some god-awful reason, the same cheekbones as their mum. His brown eyes were the same as hers, but deeply tired, even ringed with immaculate eyeliner like some sulky rock star. He had the same nose as the rest of them, but maybe a bit longer than hers. It gave his face almost perfect symmetry. The only thing that spoiled the whole balance of his face were his lips. Their thinness was a bit of a letdown. There was something cynical and jaded about the smile, something slightly twisted and cocky that made up for it. Katie had to remind herself sharply that this was a picture of her brother, her brother she'd known her entire life, and she wasn't looking at some hyped-up heartthrob she was expected to want to snog. Anyway, he was too thin. She realised with a sudden pang that for all his fancy restaurants and vegan cuisine and a motherfucking chef coming in to cook dinner at the penthouse, Wes didn't eat properly. She struggled to remember him eating more than once or twice a day, and he definitely didn't take supplements. Throwing off the sheets, she pulled on Layla's spare dressing gown and joined her cousin downstairs. Layla was still bandaged around her waist, the stump of her glory protruding a little. She had cancelled her clients, citing a hernia. "'My brother lost his glory too,' she said, leaning on the kitchen counter while Layla fed the pets. Layla stiffened. "'He what?' "'He gave it up being a hero.' There was a pause, then Layla relaxed. Oh, sorry, you mean Dave, right? God, is he okay? I thought for a second. No, I do mean Wes. Katie bridled a little at the idea other people had as low an opinion of Wes as she did. Coming from Layla, she thought, it hit different. 
Want to see? You can remember him now and everything. Oh, God, no. Layla shook her head. We used to fuck, remember? I'd rather live in ignorance. She frowned. Where's being a hero? Ah, uh, no offence, but are you sure that's how it happened? Like, was it on purpose? He's not bad looking, Katie said, ignoring that last part and feeling weirdly defensive. Just, you know, like my other brothers. Yeah, like I said, Layla muttered, stroking Harvey's smooth black back as he trotted over to his bowl. She froze and turned. Oh, babes, no offence, really. I just... What's wrong with porters? Katie demanded, amused and outraged. We're hot. When McVeigh's are hotter, Layla tossed her hair. It's the outbreeding. Bollocks, we got all the best bits, like condensed. Katie rescued her own mug and sipped her coffee. Porters are way fitter. We're taller, faster. We've got great skin. When McVeigh's got the looks and the brains, Layla said, shrugging. Plus, we get to be blondes and redheads. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Katie nearly burned her mouth and shook her head. Porters are smarter. Layla let out a gasp of mock outrage and crossed her arms, a teasing challenge in her eyes. Never trust a porter. Everyone knows porters are fuck-ups. Katie raised her eyebrows, enjoying the warmth of the coffee steam against her lips. Never turn your back on a Wen McVeigh. They don't care which way they shaft you. Yeah, you know what? Generalising and stereotyping really isn't on, Layla said tartly, turning back to the toaster. And anyway, that's rich from the line that spawned Wesley Bloody Porter. Are you sure you don't want to see his picture? Katie toyed with her phone. It's really weird to see him and remember him, I mean. I need to show someone how weird it is. He looks so good in the outside, like so full of life. He was, I don't know, so vibrant there somehow. And now he's just... She sighed, exasperated at the, at the lack of adequate words. He looks like some guy who's really gone through it, you know? Layla sighed. Go on then. Katie showed her and Layla stared at the image on the screen for a while, zooming in and out and scrolling up and down. So that's who he is, Layla said eventually and gave her the phone back. All I remember is he used to make my whole body vibrate. Whoa, Katie shook her head, squirming on the spot. No, didn't need that, thanks. Now he was a real monster, Layla said, with far too much glee at Katie's visceral discomfort. Sometimes, if I think about it too much, I can still feel him. Katie full-body cringed, nearly spilling her coffee down herself, and Layla burst out laughing. Oh, babes! The doorbell rang. Layla stopped laughing. Katie's tail clicked out. Let me answer it, she said. It might be my brother's, Layla said, lowering her voice. Or my mum. I, I told mum about Uncle Danny last night. Not all of it, just that he, he wasn't coming home. All the teasing mirth drained out of her and she looked pained, tired, washed out. Katie nodded. She'd never met Layla's mum, something of a disgrace in Gran's eyes for having babies out of wedlock in the 90s with some Swedish regular chap who worked on the oil rigs in the North Sea. She'd never met Layla's brothers either, who hadn't changed. When McVeigh's was so outbred now that sometimes it skipped. Let's see. The doorbell chimed again. Harvey whined, tucking his tail between his legs. Katie frowned. Does he usually do that if it's your mum? Layla shook her head and slid a knife out of the block on the counter. Katie eyed it. You, you won't need that, but okay. They moved to the hall where a great shadow blocked out the light through the frosted coloured glass in the front door. Katie's tail extended fully and Layla backed against the stairs, one arm across her wounded stomach, tightening her grip on the knife. Keys, Katie whispered. 
Layla pointed at the door where the key was in the lock. Katie's dad would say this was a bad idea in case of a fire and the key melted in the lock or was too hot to turn. She nearly repeated this to her older cousin verbatim but stopped herself. Now wasn't the time. She opened the door to a hulking middle-aged foreman backed up by five identical brothers. He looked surprised to see her. Hello, little lady, he said in slippery, patronising tones, and Katie saw instant red. She whipped her tail down and struck the point clean through his chest, yanking him inside before anyone could move. Layla lunged forward, knife ready, but Katie didn't need her getting in the way. She pushed her cousin back down the hall and tossed the first one against the wall as his brothers bulled their way into the house, their glories shifting dimensions and warping the door's shape and size to admit all five of them at the same time, and the wicked tail tip lashed out again. It slashed two across their throats and got a third through the centre of his forehead, throwing him back against the door and slamming it shut on spurts of blood and carnage. Brothers five and six were having trouble keeping the hall wide and spacious on their own. It wobbled back into its actual narrow dimensions and they tripped over the bodies of the first four and went sprawling. Katie impaled one through his torso and flipped the other over. Do you know who I am? She'd always wanted to say that. He nodded, turning ashen under his salt and pepper stubble. His eyes clouded with confusion as he took her in, a seventeen-year-old with an athletic build, messy unbrushed hair, and all the usual porter features, almost indistinguishable from her cousins in a crowd. "'I thought you'd be—' Katie cut him off. "'If you say taller or older, I swear to Grandad I'll rip your head off right fucking now.' She didn't need to change, but she wanted him to see her. The beast unfurled its petals of monstrous flesh, and she twisted and grew into the beautiful, unstoppable creature of appetite and death she was born to be. Her four leaves of gaping teeth parted, sucking down the poor offerings of corpses and the stink of urine and fear from the living. The auras were not the same as others she devoured. These reminded her of the devotees of death at the funeral, reeking of earnest belief. She had gulped them down and nearly gagged on their piety, and this speck of mortality before her radiated the same desperate glow of righteousness. He wasn't a monster, any more than Layla was. He was just trying to do the right thing. The beast had its own ideas about what that ought to be. I am your god. Get on your knees. The surviving foreman scrabbled onto all fours, cowering before the gigantic single claw that sprouted seamlessly from her hoof. You will tell the family this. No one is to touch the Wendmuck vase. Not Layla, not her brothers, not her mother, not any of them. No one can touch those whom I have taken under my protection. The foreman quivered and burbled incoherently, but the beast knew he understood. Get out. He scrambled to obey, flying out of the house and its warped dimensions into the quiet street. Katie folded back into herself, bones crunching and flesh flopping wetly into new positions as her human form reformed, until she was standing in the four-petalled moor that folded up into her back, melting into new human skin. When everything settled down, Katie was back to normal, tail retracted into its stump at the base of her spine, dripping mucus on Layla's carpet. Layla was clutching the handle of her large knife like a priestess, the tip pointing at the sky, her eyes wide with a wild sheen. "'Can I borrow a couple of towels?' Katie asked, stepping naked onto the tattered remains of her pyjamas. Globs of new skin and beast flesh slipped off her and splattered onto the rags. Layla dropped the knife. It hit the floor with a thud and narrowly missed nicking her feet. She hurried away, pale and shaken. 
Katie was left shivering in the hall until she came back with fluffy towels and offered them without a trace of the familiarity and informality of a few minutes ago. That was just a show for them, Katie protested, wishing Layla would raise her head and look at her. It wasn't for you. Thanks for the coffee and the toast. Oh shit, the toast. Layla darted into the kitchen again. It's a bit cold now. I'll put some more on. No, you don't have to. Marshmallow appeared on the stairs and hissed violently at her, raking an angry set of claws in the air through the banisters. Katie hastily toweled herself off. I really need a lot of fats and stuff. Have you got any peanut butter? I can eat that with a spoon. She followed Layla as her cousin clattered around in the cupboards, finally passing her a jar and a teaspoon. Is this okay? God, I'm sorry. I don't know what to call you. Katie. Katie took the jar, frowning. I'm exactly the same. You've seen me before. I didn't fully get that it was you. Layla shook her head. You're... I'm just me. Katie didn't want Layla to think she was a god. She liked it when Layla joked around with her like they were proper cousins. Layla swallowed, backing against the dishwasher, watching as Katie devoured the whole jar in record time. I eat a lot, Katie said apologetically, mouth gummed with sticky paste and nut oils. If I don't, my organs sort of dissolve. I'll make a big breakfast then. Layla was shaking. Thanks. Katie noticed Harvey had slipped off somewhere. I didn't mean to scare your pets. Or you. Layla just shook her head and opened the fridge. I'll shower and get dressed, Katie murmured, backing out of the kitchen. Won't be long. Sorry about the mess. The hall was blood splattered, the carpet ruined by a slime patch where her pyjamas lay, and Katie suspected there was a bit of brain on the door. Hasn't one of the shores got a cleaning company? We could call them. Hannah does, yeah. Layla stuck her head out and winced. Oh my God, how am I going to... Wes will pay for it, Katie said hastily. Layla gave her a look, and for a moment Katie almost felt like things were back to whatever passed as normal. She reminded herself that she'd only stayed overnight, and she was just getting to know Cousin Layla properly, but it had just started to feel like they were part of the same family. Most of Katie's relatives tried to pretend Katie was nothing to do with them, an anomaly connected by technicality rather than flesh and glory. The only ones who'd ever made any effort at all were Ricky and Wes, and Ricky had been kicked out of every family thing she'd seen him at or turned up so wasted he scared her. While Wes... she sighed. Wes was Wes. But at least he'd tried. Katie tried to inexpertly assess the damage to the hallway as Layla ducked back into the kitchen and returned with a family directory, a thick booklet she kept in the kitchen drawer. She's not in the cult, is she? Hannah? Hope not. Katie recognised the cover. It wasn't this year's, maybe two years old, and half of those names weren't alive any more. As Layla flipped through the pages to the services section, Katie saw thick black marker lines through most of the names and details. The family phone book had become a book of the dead. She's still alive at least, Layla said dryly and with a trace of bitterness, then raised her eyes to Katie, the cornflower blue gleaming with a spark of fear. Not that that wasn't... no offence. Katie shook her head. You can cross off six more. They tasted like Uncle Jim's sons. That's a few less mechanics we can call then, Layla muttered, and Katie bristled. I should have let them kill you, should I? No, Layla shook her head. Sorry, no, that's not what... I'm having a shower. Katie stomped upstairs, trying to tell herself she didn't need to feel bad about adding the Foreman brothers to the death count. Chapter 12, Part 2 
A few hours later, Hannah Shaw turned up with her cleaning supplies, always providing the personal touch for family. Layla and Katie stayed in the living room out of the way, with the door closed and the TV on. So what are you going to do now? Katie asked Layla eventually, hugging a plump cushion as Marshmallow glared at her from Layla's lap, a wide hump of white fur with menacing green eyes. Marshmallow stiffened at the sound of Katie's voice and her tail twitched. Hey, Mishmashmoosh, be nice. Layla petted her until the cat relaxed. Go back to work when I can, why? No, I mean about the... Katie gestured at her navel. Layla understood. Oh, that. I don't know. Not much I can do, is there? Does it bother you? Katie hugged the cushion a little closer. Do you think Ricky could help you get it back? I don't know if I want it back, Layla said. Oh, Katie didn't know what to say to that. It meant I could have a seat at the family table, Layla said, stroking Marshmallow. But my brothers never could. They're my triplets, you know. Excluding them's like excluding a part of me. Part of me won't ever be accepted, won't ever get a vote, won't ever be acknowledged by the elders. I used to have to hide presents that all our aunties and uncles got me because they only bought stuff for me. We share a birthday. Mum's got an attic full of stuff I never even opened. Katie winced. At least you got presents, I guess. It's a whole lot of awkward I could do without, Layla said in tones of firm correction. I mean, it's cool, don't get me wrong. I'm still angry about it. They chopped a piece of me off, for fuck's sake. She shook her head. I still don't know how to feel about that, the way it happened. It's my glory, you know? Even if it wasn't always glorious. Her voice trembled, and Marshmallow made a small sound like a sympathy squeak, stretching clawed limbs out along her thighs, then resettled back into a pom-pom. Layla worked her jaw for a moment, then shrugged. I don't know, sometimes I wished I could just pop it on and off, you know, detach it when I wanted to. And now it's actually gone. I I don't know if it's still the shock, but I'm not missing it. Maybe I will soon. Maybe I'll get angry again. Maybe I'll spend the rest of my life hating them all. But right now, maybe today's just a better day and I'll be in bits about it tomorrow. Who knows? It had only been a few months since her own changes, but Katie couldn't imagine giving her glory up now, no matter what she felt about it. It was everything that made her who she was, even though she didn't always like that person. She pondered what being the beast had made her. I'd acknowledge your brothers, she said. They're as much a part of the family as you. Layla grunted and shook her head. They don't want to be acknowledged any more. They've been on the receiving end of the wrong bits of our family for so long, they're only Wendell McVeigh's, and it's like the rest of you don't exist. Fair. Katie was quiet for a while. She could hear the cleaning going on over the murmur of the daytime talk show. Would you want to leave? she asked after a while. Now that you're not, now that you don't have... No matter how she tried to phrase it, it sounded insensitive. She studied the cushion. Is that something you'd think about? I think there's more than one way to do family, Ayla said, lowering her voice with a glance at the living room door. I don't think this is a very good way. Katie hugged the cushion tighter. Is that my fault? Layla shook her head. Strong fingers buried in a purring marshmallow, made invisible up to the knuckles and the thick, long fur. We were broken before any of us were even born. Cousin Ricky said something to me once, not about that, but he said, The path to the future is paved on the choices of the dead, and it stuck with me. She narrowed her eyes, frowning at Marshmallow, lost in thought. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. 
so what we're all fucked because of a bunch of dead people making shit decisions and there's nothing we can do about it we're like this because granddad made us this way Layla shrugged I mean literally we're literal monsters and some of us act like it and you eat them that's what you're for it's what gran wanted for you gran's dead it doesn't matter what she wanted Katie turned her head to the window a confusion of feelings churning in her stomach and I already told Grandad to fuck off, so she shrugged, pretending she was confident that she didn't care, that she never had nightmares. It was easier to fake normality in the daylight with the TV on. Layla cocked an eyebrow at her cat, the wry twist of her lips, not looking at Katie. So if it doesn't matter what Gran wanted, why are you doing it? Katie played with her damp hair. I have my own agenda, my own list, not hers, is completely different. What's your plan then? Layla asked. What else are you going to do? It was the question Katie dreaded. Lately, she didn't have a clue. Uni, I guess? Wes was pretty keen on her to see that through, and it had been her main goal aside from travelling. But backpacking had been her best friend's plan, not Katie's. If they weren't going to do that together, then it didn't matter anymore. Now, Katie wasn't even sure about the subject she wanted to study. A few months ago, she'd been so sure. How are you going to explain the... um? I'm not. I'm not going to. No one's going to see me change or the proper tale. If the stump of it puts people off, they were shit anyway. Katie shook her head. I'm meant to be dead, so where's got me new ID, a new name, new start? Everyone else gets to have jobs and lives and stuff. Why not me? I meant, when you have nobody else to kill, Layla said, what are you going to do with yourself then? Katie chewed her lip. I don't know. You're pretty good at protection, Layla said, glancing at the door again. Do you think you could do that instead of eat us? Protect from what? Katie raked her teeth over her raw lower lip. From, like, each other, you mean? I guess I could. I don't know. Anyone who turns their back on the family is fair game. Layla was paler, staring at the closed door as if she could still see the bodies piled behind it. Suppose I wanted to leave. Suppose a few of us wanted to leave. How would that work? You could protect us so that we could. Katie pressed her back against the sofa arm and stretched out her legs along the seats. She hadn't considered this. What if any of you did something to jeopardise the family? Then you stop them, obviously. Lella took a breath and looked Katie in the eye. And you kill them. Katie snorted. Right, so you can't ever really leave, more like you opt out of all the family meetings. I guess it's easier to leave the family than it is to leave your gods, Layla shrugged, especially when you know they're real. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly a god, am I? Katie gestured at herself, fidgeting to get comfortable. But sure, if you want to, I'll protect you. You know what's cool? You could be anything. Layla tickled Marshmallow under her chin and the cat made a sound like a motorboat engine. You could be anything you want. This quiet assertion hit Katie with unexpected force. This wasn't something she'd ever considered. If the beast could be something other than an avenger, a destroyer, then what might she become in her current form? Layla turned the TV back up as their capable cousin finished off cleaning the corpse score and skin slime off the hall carpet. Can I stay a bit longer? Katie asked, as Harvey approached her in good faith, wagging his tail. He hopped up onto the sofa, big eyes hopeful of some petting of his own, one runner appealing to another. Katie wasn't used to animals. 
She'd never had any, and pets never lasted long around her family. Or her former best friend, for that matter. She scratched behind his ears with a weird sense of pride that he trusted her, and tried to sound nonchalant. I doubt anyone else will mess with you for a bit, but, you know, just in case. Layla's mouth twitched. Sure, babes. Thanks. It should be Layla thanking her, really, but Katie meant it. Right now, the blissful normalcy of a detached house in a Basildon cul-de-sac, with its neutral colours and catalogue furniture, rescue pets and a cousin who didn't eat eyeballs, was the best thing in her whole fucked-up world. <laughs>